Welcome to the Building the Smart Estate podcast series. My name is Georgina Marathaftis and I am the Associate Director for Local Public Services at Tech UK. And in the lead up to Tech UK's flagship public sector conference, Building the Smart Estate, we are pleased to be partnering KPMG to deliver a series of podcasts looking at what the key enablers of the Smart Estate are and how we bring the vision to life. Now, in this first episode, we will be exploring all things legacy IT, including what it is, why it is such a difficult yet important issue for digital transformation in the public sector. Now, I'm delighted to be joined by two very special guests today. We have John Owen, who is the Chief Technology Officer at Cabinet Office, and Adrian Clamp, Partner and Head of Digital Transformation at KPMG. Now, before we begin, it would be great to know a bit more about our our guests. So firstly, um, John, can you tell me a bit more about yourself and your role at the Cabinet Office? Yeah, so uh, hi, I'm John. Um, I joined the Cabinet Office a couple of months ago now, it must be nine weeks or so now, as a as Chief Technology Officer working within the Cabinet Office digital space. And we're really there to operate the uh, the IT systems, but also to partner with the various business units and directorates within the Cabinet Office to enable them to deliver digital transformation. Uh, to put in place um, some assurance and advisory type services around that and to really drive the replacement of some of those legacy technologies across the cabinet office. Me personally, I've been in government for a little while now. I was previously at the Home Office as the Chief Technology Officer for the um, Police and Public Protection Technology Portfolio, which had quite a lot of legacy stuff in there, which uh, which was fun to play with at the time. Uh, And prior to that, I've had a long career in the private sector, in financial services, um, the the railway industry and and various other spaces. So one of the key things I'm hoping to do is bring some of that private sector thinking to the public sector to help us accelerate that journey of transformation. Well, great to hear Mm. that. And Adrian, if I can turn to you now, um, yeah, tell us a bit more about yourself and KPMG's role in shaping the digital transformation agenda. Thanks, Georgina. Yes, I'm a partner, a UK partner with KPMG, and um, and we think that digital transformation is incredibly important to public and private sector organisations, as John said. Uh, it, it can involve rebuilding your whole business or department around the customer, around the experience you want to deliver. Also, of course, there's a lot of functional uh, technology that needs to be modernised and improved, or cyber and risk and controls all those sorts of investments. And we're now living in a digital world, so there's there's so much now reliant upon getting the technology right. And often one of the biggest barriers to progress time and again is, you know, the pace at which organisations can pay down their technical debt or deal with the legacy. So looking forward to the discussion. I have a UK role, also a bit of a global role for us in shaping how we do this around the world. Thank you, Adrian. And I guess before we 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 you know begin um, our, our discussion, which I'm really looking forward to, I guess it's back to basics in terms of defining what legacy IT is. If I could start with you, John, in terms of you know what is it? Why is it a challenge? It's interesting because you've got both those perspectives, having been in the private sector, now in government, but across various departments as well. You know, why is it a challenge for both public and private sector? Yeah, so uh, let's let's start with the definition and and trying to go not too technical because well, <laughs> who, who would want to listen to me waffle? <laughs> so simply speaking, it's an outdated system or infrastructure 
which remains in use. There's still a need for it to be in operation. And the purpose is being met to a greater or lesser extent by the legacy system, but it's restricted. It's unable to be easily extended. Um, supporting it is becoming more problematic. Scalability is not part of the uh, the sort of the, uh, the, the the remit of the system as originally built, and uh, it can't meet changing user requirements. You know, user needs are becoming more and more prevalent. We are thinking about how we interact with and fulfil that sort of stuff. And legacy systems are a constraint in our ability to fulfill that requirement. It carries risks. There's large security risks around it. Costs can go up. Skills are dying out. You know, these sorts of things are all coming through there. And the potential for failure, because we can't get replacement components for aging infrastructure, is a serious, serious problem for quite a lot of um, either both private and public sector entities in that particular area. Why is it a challenge? All of those things. You know, it creates a a real sort of um, merger of everything that could possibly go wrong with an IT system in and of itself. And the the risk of doing so, particularly where some of these legacy systems are at the core of the business requirements. So you think about core banking system, which quite frequently is on some of this legacy tech. You look at things like the police national computer, which is on some very, very legacy technologies. You get to a point whereby critical services that enable you to operate either as a private business or from a government perspective in terms of the citizen services we need to provide to protect, to deliver, to engage, you know, the risk of failure is enormous. And that's the reason why legacy is a real problem from the, uh, from the perspective of everybody in the country and beyond, actually. Thank you, um, yeah, for outlining that challenge, John. I'm just reflecting back to the Tech UK KPMG um, workshop we held on um, legacy, which you were both at. And interestingly, one of the participants said, you know, legacy seems to be only, a, you know, a bad thing when we talk about IT. So, Adrian, is there such a thing as good legacy and how do we recognise and capture that? Yeah, I think I'm to blame for that. I think I made a joke that... Uh, Was that you, Adrian? It, Sorry. It was, <laughs> only <in> technology is <laughs> the word legacy a bad thing. I think I said uh, sort of flippantly at the start. And in a way, uh, you know, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? You know, a lot of our clients think, what do they mean by legacy? John gave a brilliant definition just there. It does mean technology that's not fit for, in various ways for the purposes now you know, required, whether it's out of support or not integrated, doesn't scale, isn't value for money, doesn't align with strategy, all of those sorts of things. Um, just because a system is dated in its own right, you know, it's been there for a while. Um, let's, let's pick up John's example of core banking. You know, the core banking systems that underpin the UK's banks without naming any of them you know they're not new they've been around a long long time and sometimes some of those functionality some of that functionality which might be in COBOL or an older language uh, works just fine you know it, it will count it will count how many pounds are in your bank account it will give you a balance and some some parts of legacy do fulfill that basic those basic tasks pretty well so it's not often it's not a matter of throwing everything out or reinventing everything, which is you know, easily said, you know, reimagining the future of technology. Quite often it's about being intelligent about which parts of the so-called legacy do need to be modernized, streamlined, maybe moved to the cloud, maybe injected with analytics, and which other parts um could remain, you know, and 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 
some some of our clients sometimes use the word hollowing out to describe chipping away at the legacy, leaving parts of the legacy still operating, which do a great job, um, but really then um, adding in some of the newer, more modern, agile uh, technologies around it. So so not all older systems are bad. It's um, it's a matter of being a little bit more forensic about that. Adrian, and I shall now go forward attributing to you to that because I think that did that did make me think a lot actually about that and how we view legacy IT. And I'm sure you are both familiar with the recent National Audit Office report on digital transformation in government addressing barriers to efficiency, where legacy IT was definitely a recurring theme of that report um, and outlined as a, a barrier. But I guess in a world where we can't we you know we cannot afford to modernize all legacy how should government prioritize if i can go to you first john yeah sure so it does have a huge impact across government and beyond as we said and as adrian was saying that sort of hollowing out approach and, and understanding what we need to modernize when is absolutely critical because the reality is we can't do everything all at the same time there are so many systems that are integrated that operate together that are dependent on one another that trying to do everything all at once is something that would probably have quite a catastrophic effect on our ability to generate and deliver services to citizens and actually this is a problem that we're looking at here and now in the cabinet office our, um, our sort of legacy it estate needs to be managed needs to be governed needs to um, be prioritized in terms of what we can uh, replace and when so we're starting to build something that looks at a number of different lenses around this to help us to prioritize the systems that we're going through. So, you know, my role is to is to define that. And we're looking at things like the criticality of the service, you know, how important is it to our ability to operate either citizen services or something within government. So, you know, um, not saying it's on a legacy system, but something that would brief something like Cobra, for example. That's quite a critical services uh, service in times of national emergency. Having that on legacy technology might present a risk that we would deem unacceptable. Something like the police national computer is another one. It's a very, very critical service. Not migrating that to modern technology, which is actually happening and is happening quite progressively at the moment, that would present a risk if we were to have an outage on that sort of area. But there's other things around it. I mean, you know, can we effectively maintain it with the resources we've got? What's the cost of keeping it alive? And legal compliance is a big problem. Um, so you look at some of these systems that, that are 20, 30, 40 years old, things like GDPR, data protection, and these sorts of things, they didn't exist at that moment in time, nor did they cater for all of the diversity that we've got at this moment in time in various aspects and the way they collect and store data is no longer appropriate in today's world. And we need to think about all of those lenses to ensure that we bring it together effectively in terms of where our real criticalities are. Because there's risk to us in terms of, you know, our inability to comply with legislation, risk to citizens in terms of their inability to actually properly describe themselves in terms of what they need to do and how they need to interact with us. And the, and the world is changing around us and technology needs to enable not sort of uh, constrain our ability to operate effectively as we move forward. The other one which is sort of not really thought about is that sort of dependency. So if I change system X, am I breaking the entire ecosystem? We need to understand that. So a mapping of our state, both of legacy and more modern services that we're delivering is absolutely crucial to ensure that when we do go around the task of replacing and decommissioning some of this legacy tech that we've got around the place, 
that we're doing it from a position of knowledge so that we don't inadvertently negatively impact another system. That unintended consequence needs to be very well defined and we're going around that. Now from all of that, the idea is to be able to prioritize and create a roadmap that enables us to go on a journey, not a short journey, I would, I would hasten to add, but one that enables us to go uh, on that journey of modernizing our IT estate to get better at the way we actually interact with such customers and in the future be more agile in terms of the iteration of services so we can deliver more value going forwards through time. Exactly that's about yeah delivering value um, to our citizens and customers so um, Adrian can I bring you in for your for your thoughts? Well it's quite hard to follow John on that I mean you covered a lot you covered a lot of ground there I think I think the I think that just to sort of make it more more anecdotal Genuinely, you know, there might be people listening in this position. There are technology leaders, CIOs, CTOs around our country, you know, wrestling with this every day. This is the day job, right? How do you, on the one hand, keep the lights on, keep your estate secure, make sure, you know, out of out of support services are um, made good, um, uh, and, and all of that is ma- is a, is a is a very expensive maintenance bill that needs to be paid, you know, to still trade. So how do you do all of that and at the same time try to eke out more and more of your budget towards what perhaps some 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 folks in the business um, would want? And uh, and so it's a matter of juggling these different priorities or, or looking at this problem through different lenses. I think John mentioned that phrase. That's definitely the way, the way we see it too. You've got to look at everything through a risk lens. You've got to look at everything through a cyber lens and cost. But 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 equally, what the business wants to know is how are you going to innovate for me? How's this value stream going to deliver better outcomes to our customers or, or, or citizens? And and then triangulating all of that, if that's if that's well, triangles have got three sides, more than three. <laughs> so knitting all of that together into a roadmap that intelligently plots a path forward, that's the hard part. You know, it really is not not straightforward. So that's why get, getting legacies right, and, and there are lots of cases, sadly, where you know the hubris, perhaps in the early days of so-called digital, right? You know, got ahead of people, where they might have launched a whole suite of apps or launched some digital services, citizen-facing services, but without getting the legacy integration right, you know, they're creating an internal backlog, and these these wonderful you know new apps don't work or they don't work quickly enough or the new features can't come online quickly enough. So it really is a whole of technology question. And it's part of the reason why, by the way, we start to see digital, the demise really of the phrase digital and separate digital departments. There seems to be now a recognition at the end of the day, all of this is technology. And uh, whether it's the more modern type of technology or legacy technology, it all needs to work together to deliver the outcomes, whatever they, they are. So yeah, I'm agreeing with John, but just trying to bring it to life. This is what people are dealing with day to day. There was an interesting point there that I just want to emphasize from Adrian, actually. It's that part of the business saying, well, what difference does it make to me? Because quite often when we're looking at some of these legacy things, it, it starts with a like for like to provide that foundation. The articulation of that and the value that's going to come to the business as a result of this is absolutely critical and making sure that the business is ready to go on that journey with us. When we're talking about prioritization, that's that's something that I've, I've missed in what I was saying, but I absolutely hook onto. They, if they're not ready, 
it's always going to be difficult. And that provides another lens that we should use to prioritize to ensure that we have the right buy-in to go on the journey, which is sometimes quite complex. So yeah, absolutely agree with Adrian there and really, really hook onto that point. Absolutely. And that ties in nicely, I guess, to my next question around collaboration, I guess, both collaborating internally and you've both brought that to light in terms of the opportunity but the, the challenge so how you know how can we be better at doing that how do we bring those teams on that journey but also what role can industry play in helping to address this when you mentioned earlier an ecosystem but also going back to the the workshop that we held as well it was fantastic to hear sorry I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth but you say you know moving away from supplies to actual partners there was a lot of discussion you know no longer being being that sales partner but that value added partner as well so I guess how can we better collaborate internally within our organizations on the you know legacy IT um, challenge but also you know what role can industry play to help support our public sector partners on this as well so you know partnership and supplier relationships are very very different and they you know there is definitely a need for more collaboration and more sharing of information across the board you know when you're procuring something from a supplier you dictate what's in there very very formally the relationship is very different when it's partnering you're open the conversation the free flowing ideas all of this sort of stuff is absolutely critical to do this and and to still sort of a, a bit of an old cliche there's you know people say there's nothing new under the sun yeah but it's all new to somebody nobody has all the answers to some of these problems but somebody somewhere will have solved a similar problem if not the problem that you've got in front of you at a point in time whether that's in the public sector whether it's in the private sector or or, or wherever it may be there's knowledge out there that can be used to help us be more effective in delivering the sort of the transformation and going on the journey that we need to go on so my ask and and the sort of behavior that i'm trying to exhibit and encourage is that we go on the journey together you know that that we are open to the ideas that there's lots of engagement with people that you know we don't just come out with um, something to say we're going to replace this but we do lots of early market engagement we do lots of things to help us shape our thinking so that we don't fail at the back end that we do lots of things that help us test it and make sure that what we're going to do is going to be achievable that fail fast type thing and and personally i'm doing a lot of work to um to push out uh, sort of RFIs, early market engagement, shape what we're doing so that we are learning what is going to work and what is not before we get into a another sort of a, a problem where a, a government IT project starts, spends a huge amount of money and then realise it wasn't on the right footing and we need to change tack. You know, that, that sort of approach that, that we get from the private sector who in some ways are ahead and other ways may well be behind. But we want to share that learning. We want to, we want that knowledge so that we can be more effective and and opening ourselves up to people like Adrian and and and, and other sort of consultancies who have done this before is absolutely critical to us working to the to the endpoint and the benefit of everybody. And um, Adrian, your views from the the industry perspective? Yeah, I think we had a well that workshop we had in your in the Tech UK offices. I think was great. There are a lot of 
a lot of industry participants there, weren't there? Lots of companies, yes. consulting companies, software companies, hardware companies, uh, systems integrators. I think I think there was a general reflection that, you know, general welcoming of the of what John said. You know, hope that government being a bit more sort of open about the need for. For, for for partners, uh, and, and we're seeing the rise more and more across different departments of strategic delivery partner frameworks coming to market, um, which are looking for an ecosystem. You know, not not just you know one one supplier, but a recognition that that companies large and small and diverse all bring something to the table. You know, I've had personal experience over the last couple of years of a few few instances where you know technology leaders backed by the CEO or the in, Permanent secretary, let's say, but I've seen it mainly in private sector. I must say, be very open about the mission that they're on. You know, here's here's the here's our here's our bank or here's here's our insurance company today. This is where we're going. This is our vision. Um, this is what's holding us back. We don't have all the answers. If you want to be on this journey with us, we we really value your input and ideas, and then collectively we'll work out together the right choices along the way. I, I, on the whole, so many private sector suppliers welcome that conversation because they know for sure uh, that, that no one has all the answers and what we're all facing is a very complicated rewiring of public services you know uh, building a smarter state we called it but certainly the same in private sector everyone's trying to create more connected enterprises so everyone's got a part to play uh, it's obviously it's competitive still but it's 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 now more important to to form those ecosystems than it has ever before. And I've got to say, by the way, some of the analysts who you know assess strengths and weaknesses or development points, you know, of of various suppliers. One of the things they're looking for is how well do you form ecosystems? How well do you do you work in that sort of collaborative way? So, you know, that's definitely on people's minds. No, absolutely, absolutely, and. I guess moving us on now um, to the next discussion on our Building the Smarter State series is um, digital skills. And, you know, that was a huge part of our uh, workshop discussion as well. But, you know, is, you know, a big part of the legacy tech issue as well. To what extent are the two issues linked and how will addressing one support the other? So I guess go to you, John, you know, are you finding this in your day to day? So it's a, it's, this, is, this is a difficult one to answer um, because I live the reality of legacy IT every day, um, more so at the home office than I did uh, than I am now, um, but that's completely by the by. My, my view on this is that we're actually running quite a risk at this moment in time with some of the technology skills that we've got. You know, the way we work, the way we operate is changing. You know, the way a software engineer worked 20, 30, 40 years ago is very, very different from the behaviors and the manner in which they operate these days, um, particularly as things like generative AI come into the fore and they start to build code using those sorts of tools, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. But that in introduces a whole different way of working from what we're even looking at now. You know, some of the skills that we're reliant upon to maintain and service those legacy systems, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're aging out. They, we're, we're losing these guys to retirement. Um, their skills are not being passed on because the new generation has, has sort of focused on the, the technology as it stands at this moment in time. And technology evolves so, so quickly. There's, there's a massive, massive risk that we underutilize the people who know how these systems operate, how they all 
how the plumbing within them works. And we're not giving them the opportunity to partake in some of the transformation journeys that will enable us to, to, to put things on a, on a footing that they can then be sustained for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however long we keep them. There's an absolute imperative in my world to maintain those people, to protect them and give them the opportunity to contribute to the creation of the next generation of the system that they've been dedicated to for however long it may be. Absolutely needing to help them create what would be a more positive legacy by giving it that sustainment into the future. So you know, there, there's absolutely a link in there, whether it's a positive one, at times there's risks around it, but there's also some positives around there that we need to move forwards with, particularly as we go on that journey of replacing some of these uh, large scale monolithic type systems with something that's more cloud native and more agile and more iterative and, and using some of those modern technology stacks that we, we're looking at these days. Thank you. And you, Adrian? I mean, zooming out from some of the cases that John talked about, uh, and we look at the UK, you, I don't know if it's overblown to say this, but digital skills are feel like they're becoming a critical national resource. You know, everything that we that we do now post Brexit to run our state, to run our businesses effectively, to deal with international trade, to modernise our businesses it all you know at the end of the day is underpinned by people and technology and whether it's legacy skills that are that are retiring or access to the new modern uh skills there just aren't enough people right now in the uk working right across public sector and certainly in the private sector who have these skills that's just a statement of fact i think everyone knows that it's driving a wage inflation and that creates its own pressures in private sector and, and challenges in, in public sector. So we have to, I think, so I'm going to put it back to you, Georgina, a bit cheekily. I think there are bodies like Tech UK have a role to play to help us as a tech community come together on this topic. I think it is bigger than any one company, as John said a little earlier, but we have to think about more creatively uh, our young people, their career paths, education, apprenticeships, uh, retraining, reskilling, lifelong learning, all sorts of levers that we'll need to pull to address this. And it won't be simple, but it will be very valuable. It's not just about, you know, doing doing work that needs to be done. It's about creating great careers, brilliant careers for people in an exciting area and really important area for our country. So, yeah, I think we're going to end up talking more and more about this topic, aren't we, in Tech UK? I think it's a really key one. Absolutely. And thank you, Adrian. I think that's a great call to action for Tech UK, together with its members and, and wider um, industry. There's a quote that I always like to use that, you know, collaboration is hard, but it's doable. And I think it definitely takes an ecosystem approach, both for, for legacy, but also digital skills, which I'm looking forward to discussing a lot more of on our next podcast and in our follow-up workshop as well. Um, but thank you both. I think we've had such a rich and interesting discussion. Before we close, are there any you know final thoughts that you'd like to share? So, yeah, why don't, why don't I go first? Maintain the focus on, on me not giving me time to think Georgina <laughs> so yeah legacy is hard right the, the, the journey that we're going on is not an easy one it's complicated we're dealing with things which have been in place and doing their jobs well for a number of years 
but the, the very nature of the of the systems that we're talking about here means that there is a complex journey in front of us and it's going to take some time to do the the things that we need to do to get us to a footing whereby we are able to offer a truly digital experience from the perspective of both cabinet office and wider government but we are doing it and it is something which is sitting at the very very top table as a uh, as a risk and an issue that um, that we're addressing uh, on a regular basis what i would say is we are really really keen to learn and you know as uh, as adrian has said forums like this uh, tech uk and others that enable us the opportunity to engage to collaborate to learn to harvest knowledge and to use that effectively to help shape and drive our journey is critical so I would say please do engage with us we're, we're, we're more than happy and willing to talk and the more we learn the more effective we can be in driving down the cost of these services and reframing things effectively for the citizen experience in the UK. Fantastic that's great to hear and yeah you know we look forward to having you John and your team back in Tech UK or whether it's virtually to continue these discussions definitely and over to you Adrian. Well I'm just gonna, no I'm going to give John the final word I think <laughs> He said this. Uh, th thank you to John, and uh, you know, I, I think it, it, through through his leadership, really, and 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 others in John's positions around around public sector. I think we're all getting to understand the challenges ahead that that need to be worked on. And thanks to you, Georgina, for making this discussion happen. Appreciate it. Yeah, oh, thank no. you, Georgina. No pleasure. No, thank you, John and Adrian, for your excellent insights. It's been great having you on the Building the Smart Estate podcast series. And I think there's definitely lots more we can do together to reframe the legacy IT challenge. So I think, yeah, lots more to be done. So thank you both. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.